Uh, today we're starting something new. This is the Mark Challenge. I guess this is the message before the challenge officially begins and this whole Mark Challenge thing. Um, what this is, uh, we're reading the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the book of Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. It is one of the Gospels, we call it. Uh, I think maybe a better term is just to call it a biography. It's the, one of the biographies of Jesus Christ written by a man named Mark. That's why it's called Mark. And so for the next 16 days, starting tomorrow, you're going to have an opportunity to read a chapter a day, reading this biography of Jesus, learning more about Jesus, and we're doing this together as a church. You're not on your own. We're doing this together. I'll be sending out emails with a little bit of, like, I guess you can call them study notes. I was trying to think of a better term than study notes, but a little helpful guide type things along the way, uh, just to give you some encouragement. And then we're going to gather back here, actually on Tuesdays, for a small group. You can join us for a small group on Tuesdays. We'll be talking about some stuff that we're reading about, Mark. And then on Sundays, we'll gather together and gather together in a large group, and we'll talk more about these things. And so this is something I'm excited about, uh, this Mark Challenge thing. Uh, we've got 52 people who've signed up to be a part of this challenge so far. That's pretty great. Fantastic. And so if you would like to be a part of the Mark Challenge officially, and if you haven't signed up yet, too bad. You can't do it. I'm sorry. I mean, you just can't. You're not allowed to read the Bible. No, of course. You can read along with us. Uh, you can email me. Um, let me know, and I can send you out. If you want the, to get emails from me encouraging along the way, I can do that. Um, but, of course, everybody's welcome to... You're allowed to read your Bible. That's one of the things that we believe at this church. You are allowed to read your Bible. So we'll help you do that with us. Um, the first time that I read the book of Mark um, was, a, was a, a, I don't know, just a few years back when I was 18. Just a few years back. Um, I had grown up going to church and, um, you know, a Christian family and Christian extended family and going to church and did the whole church thing because when you're a kid, you don't have a choice. You just go to church because your parents make you. And so I'd heard about Jesus and I heard about the Bible stories and, and I got to that place in my life where I had done that thing of saying yes to Jesus, where you accept Jesus as your Savior. Uh, a lot of us in this room have done that thing where you hear about the gospel, you hear what Jesus has done for us, you learn about the cross, you learn about that gift of eternal life that you can receive through Jesus. And I said yes to that. And so I knew, I came to know Jesus as my Savior, okay? And like I said, I know there are a, a few people in this room, maybe a lot of people, maybe most of us in this room, we could say the same thing. I know Jesus as my Savior. And so I, you know, I was uh, 11 or so when that happened, officially, when I officially made that commitment. And then from that point, I continued on doing the church thing, doing the, you know, uh, youth group stuff and all that. And, and every once in a while, in fact, uh, pretty frequently, I would hear somebody, a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader or a pastor or somebody, encourage me or encourage our church to read the Bible. You got to be in the Word of God. You got to be reading the Bible. Read the Bible for yourself and have that daily time and all that kind of stuff. And I just wasn't doing that as an 11 year old, as a 12 year old, as a 13 year old, as a 16 year old. As a, I just wasn't doing it. But I'd hear that message and I'd feel guilty that I wasn't doing it, right? And that's just me. That doesn't apply to any of you, right? No, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I know I should be. I know, I know. It's like part of the whole Christian package. I should be reading the Bible. Oh, I know I should. And you just end up feeling guilty about it. You know what? That guilt thing, um, let me tell you a couple things about guilt. First off is this. Guilt, um, guilt, it can be appropriate to feel guilty sometimes. I just want to say that. Like, I know that's kind of countercultural. <laughs> we don't want to feel bad when we do bad things, but feeling bad when you've done something bad or you failed to do something you're supposed to do, that's appropriate. And so I know I just want to put that out there. So that's one thing about guilt. Here's the other thing about guilt. It's not a great motivator. 
You know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel so guilty, so I'm going to go do this thing out of guilt. It's not a great motivator, and so for a while I felt guilty about not reading my Bible, but it didn't really change things. I just showed up on Sunday morning, listened to the pastor tell me to do it, and be like, all right, well, I feel bad about it, but is that, is that enough? Can I just feel bad about not doing it? Can we just kind of agree to that? I'll, I'll do that much. And so I didn't read it for a while. Plus, have you ever tried to read this thing? I mean, as a kid or as an adult, it's difficult. I mean, it's not like picking up, it's not like picking up a novel, it's not like picking up, you know, Harry Potter, it's not like picking up Twilight, you guys like Twilight, right, yeah? You wouldn't admit it if you did. Um, it's not like picking up, so it's, it's heavy, it's dense, there's history, you need to understand the context, and it's like, there's a, you need some help in doing this. And so, finally, when I was 18, I decided, well, I decided a couple things. One of the things I decided is I was done with church, I changed my mind about that clearly, but I decided I was going to read the Bible. All right, and I've told you this story before. I said, I'm going to read the Bible, and so I start with Genesis. I'm like, this is too difficult. I'm going to read the New Testament. Let's, let's make this something a little bit easier. That I'm going to read the New Testament. I said, well, the New Testament, that's kind of complex. I'm going to read the four Gospels. Let's start there, because those are about Jesus. Let's start that. So I started with Matthew. Finally made it on to Mark. It took me a while before I got to Mark. But this was, let me tell you two things about this experience, okay? This experience of reading the Bible for myself. First thing I want to tell you is that it, it was difficult. Because I was reading in isolation. I didn't have, like, a Bible with study notes. I didn't have somebody guiding me through the process. I didn't know all the history. I didn't have a sense of the context. And so there were a lot of parts that I didn't quite understand that I got wrong. I'm not claiming that I've got it all figured out now, but I know I was making some mistakes in, in, in my understanding along the way. That's one thing I want to tell you about that experience and reading the Bible for myself and reading the Gospels for myself. The other thing is this. It changed my entire perspective on who Jesus is, reading this book for myself, reading the Gospels for myself, reading Mark for myself. It's like all of a sudden this person that I'd heard about became real to me. All of a sudden this person who was my Savior was now more than just my Savior. Real, dynamic. Now, one of the reasons that we're doing this series that I, is that I feel like there are plenty of us in this room who have, like I said, who have, who have said yes to Jesus, who have made some kind of commitment to Jesus, but so many of us, all we know Jesus is, we just know him as our Savior, to put it that way. We know him as our Savior. Maybe we've picked up some things about him here or there. Maybe we've heard some stuff in church. Maybe we've heard some stuff on, like, Christian radio. If I'm a, maybe we've heard some pieces about his life, some pieces to his story, but we've never sat down. There's so many of us, and that's okay, you know, don't. Don't feel guilty about it. So many of us have never read the Gospels or the Bible or the New Testament for ourselves. And so, like I said, feeling guilty is not doing anybody good. So why don't we just do this thing? <laughs> Instead of feeling about, bad about it, let's, let's actually do this thing. We're, doing, we're starting with the Gospel of Mark. It's not the first book in the New Testament. It's not the first of the Gospels, but there are a, couple, a few reasons why we're, we're starting with Mark. For one reason, it's the shortest. It's only 16 chapters, and so I feel like that's manageable. At least it seems manageable on paper. 16 chapters in 16 days. We can do that. But Mark, Mark has something in common with all of us who are in this room, okay? We have something in common with Mark. You see, Mark, he was not one of the original 12 disciples, okay? Did you know that? And neither were we, right? None of you were, any of, no, no, none of you were, none of you were one of the, none of us were part of that group of 12. And what I'm saying is this, Mark wasn't somebody who was with Jesus from the beginning and knew him, had all this firsthand experience with Jesus and just traveled with him from place to place. He wasn't like Matthew, right? He wasn't like John. He wasn't like Peter. He wasn't there to be an eyewitness. Instead, somebody had told him stuff about Jesus, 
Now, there's some stuff that we know about Mark, and there's some stuff that we think we know about Mark. So Mark may have come in at the very tail end of the ministry of Jesus. He may have had some firsthand experience with Jesus. In fact, Mark's house, in fact, well, not just Mark's house, but Mark's parents' house, that may have been where they held the Last Supper, the last time that Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, may have been in Mark's parents' house. So he may have caught, like, the tail end of the ministry of Jesus, but he wasn't an eyewitness to most of what Jesus did. And so how Mark found out about Jesus was through Peter, who was one of the original 12. And so through Peter, we know this about Mark as we read in the the book of Acts, uh, we read the book of Mark, we read the uh, the letters that Peter wrote, we learn some stuff about Mark, who this guy is. He also goes by the name John Mark, because that can be a little bit confusing. But so, so Mark had this experience where he heard this gospel message. He heard about Jesus. He heard that God sent Jesus into this world and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and if you put your trust in him that he will give you forgiveness of sins, he will give you eternal life. And so Mark got to know Jesus as his savior first and that's it and that's all he knew. And then Peter, Peter somehow, and Peter actually refers to Mark, John Mark as, as like a son in the faith. Peter, he had a wife and we don't know if they had any biological children but, but they had Mark, they had this son in the faith. And so Peter shared all the stories because Peter was there from the beginning. He was one of the first disciples who was called. And so Peter would sit around and talk to Mark and say, well, this is, this is what I experienced with Jesus. And we were at, oh, man, you should have been there. We were there and we were fishing and he pulled in all these fish and it was miraculous. And you should have seen how he stood up to the Pharisees and you should have heard what he said. And so he would tell all these stories. And so it started for Mark. It started as just his Savior. But then he was sitting at the feet of Peter just learning all this stuff about Jesus and saying, whoa, this guy is amazing. This is wonderful. And he came to learn all these things. Now, Mark, he has this history. And if you you read a little bit about Mark in the book of Acts, and so Mark, for some reason, he decided he was going to be a missionary. And so he went with Paul on Paul's first missionary trip. And for some reason, Mark got scared. John Mark got scared. We don't know why or something. We don't even know that he was scared. He just said, I got to leave. I got to go back home. I can't do this. And so he abandoned Paul on his first missionary journey. Did you know that about Mark? So he abandoned Paul. Paul's like, what's with this guy leaving us? Well, Paul and Mark had a cousin named Barnabas, and Barnabas also traveled with Paul. And Barnabas was like, well, Paul, you know, Mark's sorry. Let's bring him back on another missionary journey. And Paul's like, no, I'm done with Mark. Mark left us. Why would I bring him on another journey? And Barnabas is like, well, if you're going to be like that, Paul, you can find somebody else to travel with you. Mark and I are going to go on a missionary journey. You go by yourself. And so this is messy stuff, isn't it? And so Paul finds Silas, Silas travels with him, and and Barnabas and Mark, they go somewhere else. It all worked out in the end, but this is real stuff. There was messy relationships, there was fighting, and all this. This is part of Mark's life. This is what he experienced. And so again, we don't know why he abandoned Paul in the first place. We don't know why he came back. We don't know any of these things, but we know that Mark had this kind of messy experience. He first knows Jesus just as his Savior. Then, from hearing stories from Peter, he learns more. He learns more about Jesus. He's more than just a savior. One of the, and I know, I apologize, I know there's some history. If you're into the Bible history stuff, so there's some stuff for you today. If you don't like Bible history, sorry, deal with it. That, I think we're mostly done it now. Um, but anyway, that's a little bit about Mark. And so Mark learns about this church that starts in Rome, okay? And this church that started in Rome, and I'm not talking about a building, I'm talking about a community of people, I'm talking about a group of people who found salvation in Jesus. This church that started in Rome was, was kind of a mystery, was kind of an anomaly. This was not a church that Paul started. Paul started most of the churches that we read about in the New Testament, but Paul did not start this church. He did not plant this church. And so we're not exactly sure who started this church, but it seems, it seems like there were a couple people from Rome 
who were at this Pentecost event. Some of you know about this Pentecost event. This is, takes, book, takes place in the book of Acts. Um, and so there's this thing where a bunch of people had gathered together in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit, I know this is mysterious, the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. The disciples were able to preach the gospel to all the people who were gathered there and explain Jesus to all the people who were gathered there and explain salvation to all the people who were gathered there. So it seems like there were some people from Rome who were in earshot who heard this message about Jesus and they went and took this information back to their fellow Romans and they became a church. How about that? So all they knew... All they knew was that Jesus was their Savior. That's all they knew about Jesus, which I guess is, is the thing to know. If you only know one thing about Jesus, that's the thing to know. And so Mark finds out about this church in Rome, and Paul finds out about this church in Rome. Paul, when he finds out about this church in Rome, he has a burden. He's like, i got to tell these guys how to be a church. <laughs> i got to make sure they understand the gospel, and i got to help them understand what it means to be a church, how they should relate with one another how they should relate to people inside the church community and outside the church community, how they should relate to God. Paul has this burden. I have to inform them about how to be a church. By the way, that's what most of Paul's letters are, is just him informing the church how to be a church. (laughs) But Mark, when Mark finds out about this church in Rome, he says, I have to make sure they know Jesus like I've gotten to know Jesus. See, Mark could relate to these people in Rome. He's like, you know what? Once upon a time, that was me, this church in Rome. Once upon a time, all I knew was Jesus as my Savior. That's all I knew. But now I've learned so much about him, and I love him, and I think he's fantastic, and I'm passionate about him. And so I need to share the Jesus that I know with this church in Rome. And so he sits down, and he writes this biography. He writes all this stuff down about Jesus. Some people call this gospel because, well, it's basically it's Peter's gospel because what Mark received was almost 100% from Peter. And so he wrote this down, and he got it to the Romans because he wanted to share this Jesus with them. Get to know him as more than just your Savior. And that's the same reason why we're doing this series now. Let's get to know Jesus as more than just our Savior. This is important. Take a look at the scripture passage that's in your bulletin. From Mark, it seems appropriate that we read something from Mark today. Jesus was being questioned. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. So in other words, he notices that Jesus is a good teacher. He's a wise man. He's an intelligent man. And so he puts him to the test. He asks him this question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important Jesus gives the answer. The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, that wasn't his answer. That was more of an introductory statement, okay, getting everybody's attention. Hey, Israel, listen up. And by the way, this is a mysterious thing. There's been several, by the ways, haven't there? There have been a lot of by the ways in this message. This is one of those messages, I guess. By the way, this was one of the stumbling blocks or one of the things that was tough for the Jewish people to understand. It's like, wait a minute, here you are, Jesus. You're claiming to be God's son. You're claiming to be one with the Father. We believe that God is only one. And Jesus said, yes, God is only one, and I am him, and God the Father is that one, and the Holy Spirit is one, and we're all one together. And they said, well, Jesus, that doesn't make sense. And Jesus said, it doesn't have to make sense because I'm God. And they said, oh. So anyway, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here, here's the answer to the question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with our, all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that you are. Do not compartmentalize. Be consumed 
by this love for your one and only God. That's the first and the greatest commandment. Now, the second commandment, I didn't put that in the bulletin. Bob didn't read that for us. But just so you know, the second commandment is like it, and it's love your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor. Love one another. Love one another. Now, a lot of people in our modern day, a lot of people in our culture have no problem with that concept, love one another. That's not just a Christian thing. Come on. A lot of different religions or faith systems or different philosophies involve that, that, that tenet, that belief. Let's just, if we could just love one another. But Jesus says, before that, before that, you've got to love God with your everything. Now think about this. Think about kind of the, the weirdness of what Jesus was saying in the moment. He's saying, I am God. Love God. That's the first and greatest commandment. So they walked up to Jesus. They said, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love me. That's a little weird, isn't it? <laughs> what should we, because that's not what they wanted to hear. What should we do, Jesus? What's the most important thing that we need to do? And he says, Love me. No, 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 Jesus, I think you misunderstood the question. Because <laughs> we're saying, like, what's the commandment? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to give to the poor? Are we supposed to, you know, like, habitat for her humanity? Are we supposed to recycle? What are we, what are we, what's the thing? What's the greatest, most important thing? He's like, no, I know what you're asking. Love me. Love me. Love my Father. Love God. Love the Holy Spirit. Love the Trinity. Love us. Love me. Why? Why is that the greatest commandment? Why is that the greatest commandment? Doesn't that seem a little bit odd, God, that you would make that the first and greatest and most important commandment? I tell you why. Because God cares about the heart. God cares about motivation. He does. He cares about what's driving you, okay? Now, earlier I mentioned how when I was younger, I felt guilted into reading the Bible and how that really didn't do much for me. Well, guilt's not a great motivation. You know what is a great motivation? Hey, you got there before me. <laughs> yeah, love. Love is a great motivation, specifically love for God. Because that sets your perspective on everything else. If you, if you try to skip that step and just love other people, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Because a lot of us have tried, so we know it doesn't work out. Start with God. Love God. That's a great motivator. What did Kelby talk to us about today? Talk to us about... Um, this whole overdose awareness walk, right? So there's a lot of different, you can have different perspectives about this thing. You'd say, you know what, I'm going to go do this walk because I know it's our church is doing and I know it's an important issue and I would feel bad if I didn't participate and I know it's something I should be involved in, Ugh, so I'm going to go do this. Okay, you could do it from that place of motivation, from that kind of guilt thing. But you could say, you know what, I, I just, I love God so much. I love him so much that I want to go and do this thing because I know that God cares about this issue and God loves people who are struggling with this. So I'm excited I'm going to do this because I love God. Yeah, you could do it like that. What else did Kelby talk to us about? He talked to us about, and I've been mentioning this for so long, this whole Easter thing. We've got these postcards made up to help you invite people to Easter Sunday to be a part of that series that starts on Easter Sunday. And so you could have that, okay, I've got to invite people to church on Easter. I know it's something I'm supposed to do. I know Josh has been going on about this forever. He's driving me nuts. He's such a pain. I'm just going to do this thing and be done with it because I know I'm supposed to. Or you could be excited about it. I love God so much that I want to share him with other people. Not just the salvation, Jesus. Not just that piece because that's important. That's great. But like I want to share Jesus, all of him. I want other people in my life to get to know him, so I'm going to, take, I'm going to take 100 of these postcards and send them out to everybody I know because I love God that much and I want to share him that much. Isn't that a better motivation 
Is that a better motivator? Same way with doing this Mark challenge. Okay, I'm going to do this Mark challenge because I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. No, I love Jesus and I want to get to know him better. Because here's the issue. Let me ask you this question. How can you love somebody that you don't know? How can you love somebody that you don't know? It's another reason why we're doing this Mark challenge. You need to get to, we need to get to know Jesus. How are you supposed to love Jesus if you don't know him? Oh, no, I, 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 I love him. I love him because he gave me salvation. I love him. I mean, in theory, I don't... Okay, no, I'm not talking about... It. How can you love somebody you don't know? Can you? And I'm not talking about that thing you do when you're younger and you have your celebrity crushes. Oh, I love him. He's a... I'm not talking about that. How can you love somebody you don't actually know? How can you have respect for someone that you don't know? How can you be dedicated to someone that you don't know? How can you commit yourself to follow someone that you don't even know? can't be done. And so we're going to read the book of Mark. We're going to get to know Jesus so that we can love him, so that we can do this first commandment. And then, oh man, from that place of love, from that kind of motivation, we can do amazing things. That's going to motivate us to do the things that God wants us to do. Now, some of you may have been thinking, hey, come on, I've read the Bible already. This Christian stuff ain't new to me, buddy. This ain't my first rodeo, cowboy. I've done this thing. I've read the Gospels. I've read the New Testament. I've read the book of Mark already. Okay, maybe it's been a while. Let's read it again. But this time, it's going to be different. This time, you're going to read it with the specific intention of getting to know Jesus. This isn't about you. Don't read this. This isn't about you. This isn't about, oh, give me motivation for my life and instructions. Okay, that's all well and good. But this time, when you read the book of Mark, it's going to be about Jesus. Jesus, I need to get to know you as more than just my Savior because I want to grow in my love for you because that is the first and the greatest commandment. I tell you something about that love. It leads to passion. That kind of passion is contagious. And you're going to want to read more about Jesus. You're going to want to share Jesus with other people in your life. And they're going to want to understand what is it about this Jesus that has you so passionate, motivated. Why are you like this? <laughs> but it starts with love. And so for all of us who will be reading the book of Mark starting tomorrow, let's go to this book. Let's be very intentional I'm going into this book seeking after you, Jesus, because I want to know you. Then, after we know him, then we can share him with the people in our lives. Let's pray on that. Lord Jesus, we do love you. We do love you. We love you for who you are. We love you for what you're capable of. We love you for what you've done for us. But just your very nature and your, your very being, we love you for who you are. All of us in this room, we want to know you better. We do. And so, Father God, I just ask that you would light that motivation up, light that on fire so that we were desperate to seek after you and desperate to get to know you better. Father God, as we begin, begin this Mark challenge, allow us to to enter into this time with that intentionality, with that desire of knowing you. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us in a more profound way during these next 16 days. And we pray that our love for you would increase, that we'd be so passionate about you that we would want to share you with everyone in our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.